our first conference, Remade, Retail Media Unmade, is now less than a month away. Hear from the key players in one of the most talked about sectors and come away with your own retail media playbook. Remade takes place on March the 2nd in Sydney. Go to remade.net.au to find out more. Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, a big week for News Corp. Are we about to find out what Chris Jans is up to? And the TV ad market goes into decline. Unmade. It's Monday, February 6. I'm A Beauty and good morning and happy new year, Tim Burrows. Happy New Year. Now, I must admit, I, firstly, I, I think there should be a rule that you're not allowed to say Happy New Year after January the 26th. But uh, in your case, I'm very happy to make the exception. Um, yeah, great to uh, great to be doing this again. We're hitting full publishing rhythm for Unmade this week. So, um, gosh, there's, there's there's been a lot going on, but you had a good break, I take it? Yeah, it was a great break, Winter. Caravanning with the family on, as they say, the mainland when you're from Tasmania. Uh, went down through the Great Ocean Road area. Gee, that is a beautiful area. Absolutely stunning. How about you, Tim? What did you get up to over the break? Oh, I had a good break. It seems like a very long time ago now. But uh, yes, I spent uh, spent a couple of weeks uh, overseas um, in, a, in, 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 in warmer climes than Tasmania, where I now find myself back in. Um, now, um, where should we start this week? Well, a lot going on, but let's start with News Corp. They're reporting their results for the quarter. What are we looking out for with News Corp? Yeah, that's one on the agenda for um, this coming week. So it'll be Friday morning Australian time, so Thursday uh, evening New York Stock Exchange time that uh, that we get the quarterly results for News Corp, which effectively are the the half results as well, because it's the the second quarter of the uh, financial year that that News Corp still follows. Um, so yeah, multi. Multi-part story, really, because it's obviously an organisation which, um, you know, effectively it's 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 a stool with three legs, really, of which Australia is one, the US is another, and the UK is the other. So we tend to look at the performance of the news titles, uh, the performance of the Wall Street Journal's group, which is becoming increasingly data-driven, the performance of real estate. Uh, there's also a book publishing arm as well, which we tend to look at less with 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 our majors because it's not quite so much our world. And then, of course, um, the, the the thing that's perhaps of 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 equal interest with the newspapers, and we tend to get more data on, is the performance of Foxtel Group. So there's there there, there will be a lot to look out for in that data. Now, I, I suppose. Because we're still looking at some point for the potential of some sort of IPO, a kind of separate float probably on the ASX of Foxtel once that IPO window reopens, the continuing progress of Foxtel Group. So we're talking not just Foxtel, but KO, the sport offering, Binge, the entertainment offering, etc., um, so there'll be another quarter of data from that, um, which I think I'd expect 
upwards growth. Uh, I think I'd also be expecting to see upwards growth in newspaper subscriptions or, or rather the, the, the news masthead digital subscriptions. Um, so those will probably be the key things I'll be looking out for. Um, one of the questions I think they, 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 they might get is, eh, I mean, it's a local one, so I don't know if they'll, they'll be asked about it, but there's an article across the nine newspapers today um, about uh, a project uh, called Audience 25, which as um, uh, um, Zoe Samios from Sydney Morning Herald um, reports it is a project to slash twenty million dollar in dollars in costs from um, News Corp. That comes in the context of this is a company which does revenue of something like ten billion dollars US across the three markets, including you know uh, um, significant um, uh, part of um, part of that in Australia. So it feels like a bit of a drop in the bucket, really. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, it, certainly there have been far worse times for newspapers where far more people have gone. Um, so I, I, I must admit, I on on the face of it, that seems sort of sensible rather than dramatic. You know, I, I, I can't really think of a time when news organisations, even if they've been investing one part, haven't been making savings and cuts in another. Um, now there, there, there is a bit more detail, a little bit more detail in this article, um, talking about it being a project led by the National Community Masthead Network editor, which is a long title, John McGurty, and Rowan Hunam, uh, head of digital national, regional, and community network. So it it feels like it's something being driven out of the newsroom side of it. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what it is. But 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 yeah, I kind of I I, I agree with you that the the actual size of the cuts in the scheme of things, you know, it's a bit depressing to say that twenty million doesn't seem that much, but um, but you know, it doesn't. There's a suggestion in the nine newspapers today that the government's new content quotas might mean good news for Foxtel. Yeah. So um, again, this is this, this actually is, is is another piece from the same um, uh, beat reporter Zoe Samuels, who covers that um, media and marketing beat for Sydney Morning Herald and the Age. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is an interesting one. So it goes back to something we wrote about in uh, Unmade last week, the paper from the government, Revive, which is their new policy for uh, Australia's uh, art sector and cultural sector. The, the thing which is probably going to have greatest impact on the TV industry is the likelihood of a content quota for streamers in the same way that the TV networks at the moment uh, have a, have a, have a quota at the moment for the 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 proportion of their, their 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 content which is created locally? The streamers will face legislation which um, means they have to spend a certain proportion of their revenue on local productions suggesting that this article is 10%. So um, that that's already sort of raising a few alarms from the existing um, uh, t- 
TV networks that all of a sudden that could just drive up the cost of everything in that sector because there'll be new people having to spend money in it. You know, and it's a it's it's a relatively small sector, so suddenly you know people will be able to put their prices up, um, which is good for the production community and you know probably bad news for the networks. But one of the kind of other maybe unintended consequences, which um, uh, yeah, which Zoe points to today is we've been waiting a long time now for HBO to launch some sort of streaming service into this market now these days they're part of warner Warner brothers discovery um so and you know they're they're partly the, the that merger of warner brothers and discovery has perhaps slowed down the process so with this added barrier of quotas it might just make it a bit more likely that Warner Brothers Discovery will just decide that launching here in Australia is all a bit too hard, which is in turn then good news potentially for Foxtel Group because they currently have the rights to the HBO content, which is kind of central to um, certainly the content for Binge, but also for, you know, the, the kind of traditional side of things with Foxtel Group's entertainment offering as well. So if they could do yet another deal to extend that content deal even further, then that would probably be good news. Now, um, uh, you know, I think in the end, either Warner Brothers Discovery has a global strategy or they don't. So I'm not, I'm not sure that it necessarily would um tip things in the other direction but also um i wouldn't write it off and since we last spoke the the big merger with fox corporation was called off what exactly happened there yeah so this was the plan driven broadly by rupert murdoch and possibly by lachlan murdoch as well to bring back together news corporation and Fox Corporation, which is where in the US Fox News sits. This was, uh, I guess it could have been seen as a bit of a tidying up process because the the company split a decade ago to really try and get a better valuation of all all of its assets. And that that broadly worked because that created um, uh, what was then known as 21st Century Fox. But that in turn was later sold on to Disney, which um, made Rupert Murdoch Disney's biggest single shareholder um, and also released a lot of um, cash to to the Murdoch family as well. Um, and the little bits that um, Disney didn't buy, of which the main thing was uh, Fox News, went into this new thing, Fox Corporation. But existing shareholders just didn't see how they would get value in those two halves being brought together. And, you know, there was a there was a bit of a fight and and and, and clearly um uh Rupert and Lachlan Murdoch formed the view that they wouldn't actually get this one past the shareholders. So um they called off the merger. Next exiting stealth mode Over the last few days, separate developments with two well-known Fairfax executives, Chris Jantz and Anthony Catalano. Let's start with Chris Jantz. Yeah, so we turn to the Australian Financial Review for this one. Um, it's a three-byline story, Mark Stefano, Anthony McDonald and Max Mason. Um, so 
context on Chris Jans, I think he's such an interesting executive. Um, I, I, I got to interview him on the record for when I was writing my book, Media Unmade, um, and uh, to really understand the story of just how crucial the project Chris worked on at the time, which which was effectively there was a blue team and a white team, and the blue team had to reinvent newspapers while the the white team kind of kept them going under the old model. And at the time, I think the whole industry was expecting that the Sydney Morning Herald, the Age, the Australian Financial Review would go out of weekday print sooner rather than later, certainly, you know, several years ago. Um, but in the end, they found a, a, a different way of remodeling it. They recreated the kind of the, the, the back end technology. They remade the cost model and, um, they, 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 they re- rebuilt the marketing of it as well. It was, you know, genuinely impressive, you know, world class impressive for saving newspapers. So this was, uh, Chris Jans, who then, after Fairfax merged with Nine and, you know, was subsumed in, was amongst the front runners to be the next CEO of Nine before being pipped to it by Mike Sneesby. Um, and, you know, perhaps not surprisingly, um, Chris then later decided to sort of move on. And because I guess his, his, career internally was kind of was kind of blocked so along with david eisman who um led publishing innovation um and the two had worked very closely together on on the project blue um they are now beginning to emerge with the next thing now we don't know too much but what the financial review has revealed is that they've set up an organization called I imagine it's pronounced SIRE, so S-C-I-R-E, SIRE Proprietary um, Limited at the end of last year. And the filings show that they've also received some financial backing from members of the venture capital firm Shearwater Capital, which is a a local Sydney-based VC firm. So... um, yeah, look, very, they, they managed to speak briefly to Chris Jantz, who just, uh, uh, when he was asked whether this was a media or tech startup, he just said it was possible. Um, but this is really interesting, not least because you have the sense that if VC money is involved, then probably it's something, um, at scale and, um, yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens next on that one. Does Chris have much of a startup history? Yeah, he does. Um, something called Allure Media he ran before sort of joining Fairfax, which um, was, was was quite early in the process of taking some of the U- US-based platforms and localising them for Australian content. So, um, yeah, he's a very unusual character, really, in that he's a journalist by background, but has run big businesses, has been in the startup environment a number of times. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd say this has all the hallmarks of another um, another big startup. And the cat, Anthony Catalano, what's happening with him? Yeah, so um, Catalano, uh, another ex-Fairfax executive, ran a very different path to Chris Jans, but sort of almost a parallel path. So 
his background very much real estate so he came out of uh, melbourne um left fairfax and started the weekly review which ended up then being bought by fairfax he came back into the fold and helped fairfax float domain before falling out with his boss at the time nick falloon um and leaving um, and then going away to do a number of things, one of which was to buy Australian community media, as it is now, so local publishing newspapers. But also, uh, perhaps the more intriguing play is um, a real estate view, which is, you know, in the makings of being um, a rival to domain and to rea group um which obviously is his sweet spot but his vision i think is much more about owning the whole chain so not not just advertising homes but if you think about all the transactions that are done around real estate you know whether it's um mortgages or you know surveys or you know all of the other parts of the chain and what's become super interesting is that anz have now uh, invested in View Media Group, as it's known, um, uh, which puts them in the same group as, um, if, I, if memory serves rightly, Seven West Media have already come in on it. Um, but yeah, ANZ putting in 50 million. So this... Um, this is, you know, this is something fronted by Anthony Catalano, along with his sort of long-term sort of co-investor, Alex Wastelist. So suddenly there's a real valuation on view media as well um so yeah this 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 is again one where you see the x fairfax executive and you wouldn't bet against them next has the tv market peaked unmade new numbers this morning from the tv industry team yeah, these just came in as a press release not long before we started recording, actually. So I'm kind of reading aloud as we go. Um, every six months, um, the TV industry puts out its um, numbers for revenue across both um, regional and metro markets. These days, there's a bit less info than they used to be because they they no longer split out the individual uh networks you kind of have to get that from their um annual reports later which is a a bit of a fiddle and i think the main reason they stopped doing that was just to sort of save the embarrassment of whoever's the loser for that particular one um but the 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 main couple of things that that leap out for me are that um total tv market so that's metro regional um uh, bvod uh, broadcast video on demand um when you look at that total number it's down for the six months that have just gone on the previous six months so um uh total tv market worth two just over two point no just just under 2.2 billion dollars so um that's actually a fall of 3.7 percent now of course that was against the backdrop of a record half in the year before 
um, because it was the sort of bounce back from COVID, etc. Um, and we also had things like the Olympics had changed timing and all of those things as well. Um, but still, you know, a big fall in comparison. Um, now for the 12 months to the end of the year, um, TV market worth for almost $4.2 billion, which was up just over 1% for the year. So for the year still in growth, for the half down, the way bookings are looking going forward, um, I think we're going to um, see another half likely down as well. Um, so, you know, there are, there, there are a number of things to read into it. Definitely, we're still seeing, you know, money moving across into streaming. Um, you know, that, 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 that BVOD side of things, which is, is accelerating, if anything. And, um, that means moving away from broadcast television. So how is the TV industry handling the transition to streaming? Look, in two ways. <laughs> well and badly. Um, the well part of it is, it's hanging on to a lot of that revenue that could also go out to other places. So, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, BVOD over that, the, the, um, the 12 months just gone now taking something like 450 million. And that was up 24% on the, a year before. So that is obviously staying with the networks, but where it has a point of weakness, and this was something I wrote about in Saturday's uh, edition of the, the Unmade Best of the Week newsletter, is the, net, the, 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 the TV industry isn't very good yet about talking about its total TV audience because it hasn't got its act together on releasing the data on time. So nine o'clock each morning, you get the... Oztam numbers come trickling out, which is the sort of the, 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 the metro numbers that was kind of broadcast on free to air as people were watching it. But the number of people streaming doesn't follow until later. And we're now up to version 5.0 of what's called VOZ, which stands for Virtual Australia, which, which is where they take the kind of the, 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 the digital and streamed numbers add them to the overnight metro numbers and then take out any duplicates that that number is still not despite the, the fact they're up to version five is still not publicly available each day so you get these ongoing stories of tv audiences in decline you know um Lots of stories last week about maths launching to smaller audiences, about uh, Survivor launching to smaller audiences, about um, Seven's um, Australian Idol launching to smaller audiences compared to their, their previous talent launch. But we're not able to immediately take into account well what's actually happening in streaming. So there is a bit of a risk that the, because it's the TV industry is squabbling amongst itself behind the scenes that actually it risks creating a bit of a story of decline when things maybe aren't quite as bad as they they might sound i actually feel sorry for the uh, the t- the partners the regional tv partners uh, of the networks because where people are transitioning to digital they're seeing ads on national platforms not sold in by local you know prime win southern cross for example that's going to be a bit of a hard sell for those regional networks who are trying to sell local ads if people are transitioning to a national uh, catch-up streaming platform 
Yeah, that's a very good point thinking about it because, of course, although they 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 are in theory localizable for local streams, you don't see much evidence of it. No, um, you don't. Hey, look, where we are in Tasmania, it's it's probably most noticeable because obviously Southern Cross Stereo are are very strong in this market, and they're also the one kind of or, or the one big regional player which doesn't have the full kind of alliance now, you know, because seven. Um, took over Prime, so you know Seven and Prime are effectively one 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 organisation now. Nine and Win are now so close that they might as well be one organisation. It's one sales team reporting in for both. So you you have got Southern Cross Stereo as a bit of an outlier, which which I think is the other fascinating thing about that is that we're about a year and four months away from um, the next affiliation agreement, which really you know. It is a conversation just between SCA and Ten, um, because there are no other kind of players available at the dance anymore. Um, but yeah, the the problem for being a standalone regional player is as things move to streaming, they don't own any of that content, so mm. they've, they they actually effectively don't have dog in the race um so that's probably the thing to be most nervous about on their behalf well that's it for today we would love to hear what you think at letters at unmade.media that's letters at unmade.media tim will be back tomorrow with choose data tackling the winners and losers in social media and if you're interested in retail media please do check out the agenda for our first conference remade Go to remade.net.au. Don't forget, if you'd like to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. Today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. Toodle pep. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.